the game is over, the New York Jets are the world champions. You play to win the game. He's got it! That's a Jet touchdown! Can't wait! You're listening to the official New York Jets podcast, a Jets 360 production. Ethan Greenberg and Eric Allen here in studio on the official Jets podcast. So we were in here earlier today and we recorded a podcast. Was that really earlier today? It was earlier today. It's hard to believe. We recorded the podcast. All the days run together. We recorded a podcast talking about Jets-Eagles Thursday night preseason finale and then... Mid-afternoon, Teddy Bridgewater was traded. So we're back in studio. And for those who don't know, if I'm breaking news to you, well, frankly, you should check Twitter more often if you have a Twitter. But if you don't have Twitter and you rely on us. You probably can get it on Instagram too, right? The trade? Yeah, yeah, I would assume so. Yeah. And so, but if you're not on social media and you're relying on EA and myself, is that Teddy Bridgewater is now a member of the New Orleans Saints. The Jets traded Bridgewater and a six-round pick in 2019. They got back a 2019 third-round pick. EA, what do you think about the deal? I'm not shocked that Teddy Bridgewater was traded. I was a little bit surprised by the destination because uh, the Saints obviously have a future Hall of Famer at quarterback. A durable one as well. And they got a couple. They, they got a couple guys behind him right now. I would imagine, and I wrote this just now, that Teddy Bridgewater comes in and automatically becomes your backup quarterback. But I know this is the official Jets podcast. This is not an NFL podcast. And just looking at the trade, is that uh, why does it happen? Uh, because Sam Darnold, frankly, had a very good spring, and you could make the argument that he had a better summer. And while Bridgewater uh, played very well uh, for the Jets since signing here in March, uh, Sam Darnold is the future of this organization. I think to get a third-round pick for someone that hasn't played football in two years and his only football action has been in preseason, I think that's pretty darn impressive when you consider that a third-round pick is what the Browns gave up to get Tyrod Taylor, who led the Bills to the playoffs last year. So I think it's very it's a very good deal. And, you know, I know there's a lot of speculation that maybe the Jets will use that extra third-round pick either before the season, similar to what the Jets did uh, with Jermaine Kearse. They acquired more picks, and then they used it later on. When later on may be is the big question, because I've seen reports that are, Maybe they try to get a pass rusher before the season, or maybe you try to use the extra third-round pick in the draft to move up in the draft. Yeah. I mean, th- there's going to be speculation, of course, but I think... You have more ammo, and, yeah. and you have to credit Mike McKagan again because he went out and signed Bridgewater before Sam Darnold was acquired. And actually, before, I believe, the St. Patrick's Day was when the Jets traded with Indianapolis and moved up those three spots and sent uh, uh, their first along with a trio of second-round picks to America's heartland to the horseshoes. But that was after they had signed Bridgewater. 
Yes. So, so the events happen like this, Bridgewater signs, then the re-signing of McCown happens a couple hours later. Then a few days later, McKagan trades to go up from six to number three. You just think about what McKagan, uh, Brian Heimerdinger, and the rest of the personnel staff did in this spring. It's really impressive. Oh, yeah. I, I totally agree with that. And what you just mentioned all happened in the span of five days because the legal tampering period starts two days before free agency, which means it's March 12th. Free agency officially opened March 14th, which means you can put pen to paper there. And then three days after that, like you said, EA, that the Jets trade with the Colts and go 6-3, to three, not knowing who's going to be there at 3. And Sam Darnold falls to 3, Jets pick him up in April. So when, when you look at the job, like you said, that like McCagg and Brian Heimerdinger in the front office have done, I, I agree with you. It's very impressive. Conceivably, I wonder what you could get if you ever shipped a pair of threes. I know what people are thinking out there. They're thinking about the big fish, and that's yeah. what a lot of the external media is talking about. With that being said, all I would say is Cleo Mack is under contract with the Oakland Raiders. A lot of people anticipate Greens that he will come to the Raiders when the regular season commences next week because you only get paid in the regular season and he's scheduled to get more than $11 million this year, which means if you divide that up amongst 16 regular season weeks, that's a big paycheck. Yeah, it is a big paycheck. He's, I mean, also Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald, who's holding out with the Rams, the more you hold out, the more fines you get during training camp. So they're actually paying to hold out. I don't think it's just, so I would say this, and I don't know this because we're not having these conversations with Mike McKagan, uh, the guy's going about his business. Um, but I don't think you make this deal just thinking about one deal specifically. I think you make this deal thinking about short-term, long-term. Short-term, you like the two quarterbacks you have in-house, and I think they like Teddy Bridgewater, too. But with that being said, having three good quarterbacks is a luxury. And the Saints said, we see a good quarterback on your roster is 25 years old. We'd love to have him. But in turn, you got to give up something so the Jets get the third-round value there. Um, so, you know, I, I think with you're the Jets, you can do a lot with a third-round pick. Uh, Especially when you don't have a second-round pick right. as of now, yeah. next and, season. And just for that, for instance, I don't know. I don't have the draft chart in front of me, that old chart that everybody refers to and yeah. goes back. Two threes, that gets you a low two. It, yeah. it definitely gets you a low two. The, I mean, the, the other thing is about the Saints is that you would assume that wherever that pick is is not going to be – it's going to be closer to the fourth round than it's going to be towards the front of the third round. Because I, you'd mentioned the Saints and how it's an interesting destination. And maybe the Saints are looking at the successor to Drew Brees potentially. That's true. And the, the other thing is that if you're the Saints and but, you look at the But he's only on a one-year deal, right? Two, well, I think it's a two-year deal or one and an option, player okay. option. But okay. the thing is that – Someone made this point I thought was interesting is if you're the Saints and you think that you're a legitimate contender and you saw what happened to the Eagles last year when Carson Wentz went down, you have to make sure you have an insurance plan just in case. Listen, so, uh, the Saints are uh, for sure a legitimate contender. I told you last year that I thought they would have won the Super Bowl, uh, you know, 
uh, obviously they didn't make that tackle against the Vikings, but uh, if you're a Jets fan, yes, you have interest now to root for Teddy Bridgewater, but hopefully the Saints don't do as well <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> in two, 2018. Yeah, no doubt. Well, we should put a bow on Bridgewater. Uh, he is a good person. He was well-liked inside the locker room. We weren't there in Minnesota when he suffered the devastating knee injury, but by all accounts, that was horrific. He has been on an unbelievable climb the past two seasons. What we saw from him in the spring and the summer was more than just a competent quarterback, was a guy who can and will be a starter in the National Football League. And you just got to love his approach because when he got hurt, he never said, why me? Mm. He said a lot of people had it worse off than me or dealing with far worse problems than me. And a lot of people did not believe in Teddy Bridgewater. He never stopped believing. And he earned a tremendous amount of respect inside this locker room and from this fan base. And me, as a guy who had the fortune to go down to Miami with one of our producers, Chris Aubins, um, and and see where Teddy's from in Miami and how many odds he's already overcome, uh, I'll always be rooting for him. I, I was going to say, I think if you've interacted with Teddy or been around Teddy, I think you root for Teddy. Uh, personally, I'm rooting for Teddy. We'll see how he does in New Orleans or, you know, wherever his next stop may be. I will miss his media availabilities, but for, for fans at home, most media availabilities start with... Well, oh, you like the opening statement. Possibly a PR assistant saying, questions, please? Does anybody have questions? And they'll announce it. Teddy would always come in and give you a summation of what's going on with the team yeah, that and was what cool. occurred at practice. And it was coach-like because he'd hit it to a tee. He tell you we get we got in some good red zone work today. We had too many penalties here. We ran some gasters at practice, but it was great conditioning. He was always a guy yeah. who embraced every day, each rep, every opportunity. I'm gonna miss the dancing on the sideline. In yeah, his that was cool. Yeah, he's a big Michael Jackson guy. But regardless. He won't be there for Jets Eagles Thursday night. There was more than just Michael Jackson. Yeah, I know. I think but there was multiple times where Michael Jackson was on. Yeah, and he was. He and was Teddy dancing. was on. Oh yeah, Teddy was on. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Thursday night, Jets Eagles preseason finale. Teddy Bridgewater will not be there, obviously, which means that the quarterback rotation will be some form of Sam Darnold, Josh McCown, and John Walford. We'll see how that plays out. What I want to know is not so much about the quarterbacks, EA, but about the other. Let me see. There's three play 87. That was some quick math in my head there. The other 87 guys on the field because Coach Bowles talks about it. There's like five or six spots up for grabs right now, and this is the final time that a lot of these players will be on the field. And EA and I caught up with Dan Graza last week. He's the pre- and post-game voice for the Jets on ESPN, and we broke down the roster. So we'll, we'll toss that in a minute here. But what I want to talk about now in the present who you're, I know that you have a lot of guys that you have your eyes on, but who are you most excited to see how they perform on Thursday night? And you told me earlier you had a big prediction. There's about 25 guys, so I can't pinpoint it. Right. For, you, for you, me, you, said, all, you said if I, what was it, if I start swinging, I'm hitting or something like that? <laughs> for, me, for me, it's all about positional groups. 
and you look down the roster a number of players and what's going to end up happening to them like a Trey McBride who was featured in one Jets drive and his push for the team or at the receiver position um, further at the receiver position what are the Jets going to do at returner is Andre Roberts the veteran will he be on this roster come Saturday how about the outside linebacker position uh, beyond the Jordan Jenkins and the Josh Martins of the world, Frankie Louvo and Brandon Copeland have gotten a lot of reps there. Louvo got his first sack against the Giants. Yes, he did. And then you think about former draft picks, Dylan Donahue, mm -hmm. Lorenzo Molden. What do they have to show for themselves coming out here Thursday night? Uh, the safety position, uh, and we'll get into this with Grazo, and we did. Uh, the cornerback position, yeah. and I think there's a great battle down there. Derek Bones Jones and, and company. Uh, Justin Burris is a former mm -hmm. draft pick who, uh, you know, uh, for him, I think he'll have to do a couple things out here. And even if these guys don't make the roster, you're really auditioning for 31 other teams. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, offensive line depth comes into focus, and we talk about that all the time. But yeah, big prediction: Trenton Cannon, Cannon boom, Cannon shot, hundred yards rushing boom. in the preseason final game against the defending Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. Much of those uh, Super Bowl champs won't probably be on the field, but uh, Cannon will have a nice day. Oh yeah, I, I have <laughs> to bring this up because we we said that you said this earlier, and when we recorded the pod initially, EA has not had a cheesesteak since 2002, and he doesn't put cheese on the cheesesteak. That is correct. It's blasphemy. Uh, so you get onions and peppers in a sub. I'm not a big cheese guy. I, I like pizza. But I'm not a big cheese guy. So, yeah, if I'm going to get a cheesesteak, I'll get it, you know, with the peppers and, and uh, some onions. And, and Just in, in the bun? Yeah. In the, in the sub? Yeah. Are, do you only eat half of the sub or you eat the whole sub? No, I'll eat it. Well, it, but some, I some people like one. some people like to make, you know, sandwiches like convertibles. They rip off the top half of the bread so they're not eating the carbs. No, no, I don't do that. I can afford a couple carbs here and there. I, that's fine. If you're going to have one of those cheesesteaks, you're not going to have it. I, I'm sure... You're not going to have it without cheese, but... <laughs> no, well, you're not going to go to gym. Yeah, but you can order one at Jim's or Pat's or... What Gino's yeah. or, Ran or Randy Lang, who who's uh, one of our esteemed writers on NewYorkJets.com. Yeah. He's, his favorite is Ishka Bibbles. <laughs> Listen, you Which I am trying tomorrow, for the record. I, I wonder if they let you do that down there is order one without a bun. I bet you they wouldn't. No. You can have one without a bun. No, no I didn't mean without a bun. I meant like you, you only eat like half of the bread. No, no. No, I'd eat the whole thing. But well, I haven't gone. So you're going early tomorrow on Thursday so you can get yourself a cheesesteak? That, that's the deal, apparently. Who's, who are you going with? The, the goons. The goonies. Uh, who's that? <laughs> the um, social media crew? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're always looking for their next meal, aren't they? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, you gave a big prediction. I'll give my big prediction. Fearless prediction. Yep. Chad Hansen, one bill, over a bill, receiving yards. And, and before we get to Garaza, I want to tell you, I want to ask you a question. I want to see if you've been reading my articles on NewYorkJets.com. Who is leading the New York Jets in tackles this preseason. Ooh, in tackles. 
Well, uh, is it Neville Hewitt? That's correct. Yeah, it is Hewitt. <laughs> and watch forty-six because he's all over the field. Yeah. He'll get some snaps in uh, this game. I'm, I'm I, if I, I enjoyed watching him and read about him on NewYorkJust.com because I didn't know this. I didn't know. I knew Miami played a four-three, but I didn't know he was an outside linebacker in a four-three. But that makes sense. He's making yeah. a transition to three-four inside linebacker. I like him. Twenty-five years old. Think he'd provide some nice depth. I like him too. Yep. And I'm pretty sure he's a thundering herd. What do you think about that? Yeah, you know who else was a thundering herd? Chad Pennington. That's right. Friend of the pod. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, before we toss to Dan Growley here, I just want to say that, echo what you said, is that if I had to focus on one position, for me it would be the receivers. Because I mentioned Hanson. You mentioned McBride. Our Darius Stewart, the third-round pick from last year, he suspended the first two games. So this is your last taste of him before potentially – making the team week three. If you don't know, when the Jets go from 90 to 53, suspended players do not count towards that 53. Yep. So we're looking at Ardarius Stewart, um, Rashard Robinson, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, I believe, are the three yes. guys. So those guys will not count. And KPL, very quiet summer because he's been banged he's up. He's been banged up. He didn't practice at all, haven't played. No, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. But regardless, Jets-Eagles, 7 p.m., preseason finale, but for now, Breakdown with Dan Graza. All right, Dan, now comes the fun part. This roster, later this week, is going to go from 90 players to 53. There's no 75 anymore. It used to be 90 to 75, then 75 to 53. Now it's straight 90 to 53, it's a big which chop means off. almost half of this team will not be in green and white come September 2nd. All right, let's start with the QBs here, specifically in Sam Darnold. Did you expect so much from this guy this early? I got to be honest. I mean, look, you're optimistic, and clearly when you trade up like they did to three, whichever guy you were going to select, you had high expectations for Yeah, it's going to be a talented ball player. Going to be a talented quarterback. But not even so much the physical. I think what's impressed me and maybe exceeded the expectations that I had for him going in is what you've already understood about him from a mental side of things. Jeremy Bates, you mentioned, he's spoken glowingly about everything we've thrown at this guy. He's absorbed, and it's beyond impressive, right? He missed the first three days of training camp because of the contract holdout. He came in here, and what did he do? He was already spitting out plays that they worked on during the mini camp. So that recall, that memory, that's important because you guys know this. You're a quarterback. As opposed to just being a wide receiver and knowing what your route is supposed to be, you're a quarterback. You have to know what every guy in your offense on the field is supposed to be doing on each and every play. And if that isn't too much for him at this stage of his career, then you know what? It's only going to get better moving forward. We're going to go to the running backs now. Mm -hmm. Isaiah Crowell and Bilal Powell, both solid camps. Now, do you carry another back? outside of Trenton Cannon because Eli McGuire's not there? Or do you think that the numbers elsewhere are a little too heavy? I think it's going to be more contingent upon some of those other positions and, and what you do uh, to make it a numbers game necessarily. You know, Thomas Rawls is a guy. I had the opportunity to talk to him for our pregame show for the Giant game. And, and he was a great guy. You know, great guy. And remember, this is a guy who had some moments with the Seattle Seahawks. Remember that playoff game against the Lions? couple of years ago, I mean, he, he was outstanding. So this is a, a quality, capable NFL back. And I think, as you said, E, that, you know, with Eli McGuire down, that presents an opportunity for somebody else to get some plays. You know, Cannon, everybody's excited by what he can do, and he brings a dimension to the game. Does he become your third down guy? Like, is he your change of pace type back, or are you going to keep roles in there 
maybe who's not as shifty, but he's a guy you could still give the rock to and have him grind out some tough yards for you. So I think it's going to be more dependent on what they decide to do with some of these other positions, like something we hit on last week with the tight ends. You've got a lot of guys there. How yeah. many are you going to keep? Yeah. It's going to be linked to special teams, too, because right. are you comfortable with Trenton Cannon handling your kickoff returns, which is something he did at Virginia State and did it very well, and punt returns. He put a couple on the ground in that first preseason game. If you are comfortable with that, obviously takes away a roster or frees up a roster spot, excuse me, somewhere else. So that's going to be the interesting part of the mix. The other thing I would say about the backs is at fullback, a lot of people were talking about Dimitri Flowers from Oklahoma. He signed unrestricted uh, free agent. Uh, I think Lawrence Thomas has had a nice camp. Guy's big. He's a powerful blocker. And he's got good hands for being a former defensive lineman himself. Used to block for Le'Veon Bell at Michigan State. I think LT's had a nice camp, and it's went under the radar. I, I agree with that. And LT, for being his size, he has some hands. And he has some shiftiness to him for being almost 300 pounds. Stump Mitchell said that Lawrence Thomas played at 300 pounds last season, and, he, and they were fine with that. But I'm glad you mentioned Cannon and the puns because – if you're not comfortable with Cannon returning punts, you would almost assume that Andre Roberts might be that guy. And throughout the preseason, throughout training camp, he's been the number one punt returner, which leads to the receivers now. That's a, a crowded room. That's a room that has a suspension in Ardarius Stewart to start off the year. So I think that receiver is going to be a very difficult decision when you factor in the play of Trey McBride and the fact that Chad Hansen was a fourth-round pick last year. And Trey's I, had a nice camp, by the way. Yes, yes he has. Yes. Very nice and, camp. And then you factor Making in. Making a big-time push. Then mm -hmm. you talk about special teams. Well, Andre Roberts seems to be the guy that Well, Lucky Whitehead, punts. I thought, had a lot of pop in the return game. But you're right, Greens. It's a loaded room because you think about up top, you got Jermaine Curse and Robbie Anderson. You can pencil those guys in. Quincy Anunwa, Terrell Pryor, those guys – limited early in camp and then they started to uh, increase their workload as we've gone on here but y y you've always thought of uh, Dan I've always thought of the receiver position as those four and then then where do we start well I, I think it goes back to what you brought up a couple of minutes ago with special teams yep. and, and not even so much in the return game but in coverage because if you're going to keep a wide receiver and even a running back for that matter if they're not necessarily your return guy well, can they play teams? Are they going to be on your coverage squad? Because you're not going to use one of those precious spots for game day to dress a player at, let's say, a position like that if, you know, who are on the f bottom part of that depth chart if they're not going to play teams as well. Because you want to have them to be able to, you know, serve a multifaceted role there. So that's going to be interesting, whether it's, you know, the fullbacks you mentioned, you know, one of those, you know, the third string running back, if you will, and then that, that maybe fifth receiver if they can play special teams, that's only going to enhance their chances of suiting up on Sundays. And we always forget to talk about Teron Peak. He had a touchdown catch nice against catch. the Redskins, and he is also a valuable special teams performer. If Peak doesn't make the roster here, he's going to be playing for somebody week one in right. the National Football League. Peak was on IR for the majority of last season, his sophomore season. And now, Dan, I mean, we got to turn to your favorite position. You alluded to it last week in the tight ends. Now we're back with more tight ends because, like you said, there's a lot of them, and 
head coach Todd Bowles said this is going to be the most difficult position to evaluate. I'm excited, was excited immediately when they drafted Chris Herndon. Okay, he's a guy whose college career, maybe the numbers didn't stack up to what you thought because he was hampered by injury. So you maybe get a diamond in the rough there that you end up with in the mid-rounds. Talent-wise, if he was healthy, he probably would have went a little bit sooner. He excites me. Leggett, and that to me was one of the disappointments of last year. You know, Leggett, I was really as excited as I am about Herndon. I was almost as excited about Leggett a year ago. This is a guy who played in big-time games at Clemson, but his rookie season was washed away last year because of injury, and the coaches were high on him. All right, so if you could keep those two guys healthy, that's a heck of a foundation. Then those other wild cards, whether it's Tomlinson and whether it's Sterling Walford, you know, these are guys who've already been through the wars in the NFL. They have experience. They're not flashy type players, but they play a role for you and not afraid to get a little dirty either and mix it up there in the trenches, which, you know what, nowadays you could still use a tight end. I know it's old school, but sometimes those tight ends blocking in there, they still serve a purpose. A couple points here. Tomlinson is the best blocker of the bunch. No doubt. You mentioned it before. Herndon has shown to be explosive out of breaks, a smooth route runner. Leggett is the guy who you might make an argument even though he hasn't had a lot of game action other than a couple of preseason games, that he might have the best hands of them all. He's just got to stay healthy. Clive Walford is really taking off, um, too. And then Nate Sterling, underrated athlete in his own right. He can get down the field. So they like this group. And finally, Sam Darnold likes throwing oh. to the tight ends. Yes, he yes. uses the tight ends. For anybody who watches practice, uh, you can watch USC, you can watch practice. Uh, it's some of the games, listen, this guy is going to throw to the big guys early and often. He likes those matchups. Tight end is, let's be honest, especially in those short to intermediate routes, that could serve as a great security blanket mm -hmm. for a quarterback. And as EA said, I mean, Sam Darnold, we've already seen it so far here in camp and in preseason. He's not afraid to go to them. And I know that the tight end is almost becoming, at least the way traditionally the tight end position was, it's almost becoming fossilized in the NFL now. But, you know, because these, the, these tight ends are just such freakish athletes. Yeah. They're like former basketball players, most of them. They can just get up and down the field, work the seams and stuff. But I, I like this group, and I think there's some wild cards. There. Would it surprise either of you if the Jets kept four tight ends? No. It wouldn't surprise me. Uh, it, it would me. Okay. It would. Four. four. Four to me is a little bit only because I'm not convinced that a couple of those guys that we discussed might be best suited for special teams. And that's something that they would, I think, have to do. I mean, if you're keeping four tight ends, they're playing teams, at least a couple of them. That's All right. So I guess we'll see what happens come September 1st. I didn't say it's going to happen. I said right, right. definitely I said, would not yeah, be surprised. I know. I'm just saying we'll see what happens. Okay. Time will tell. Yeah. So now, now we got to go to the big uglies, yeah. the O-line. And assuming everything's okay on the health front, Kelvin Beecham, James Carpenter, Spencer Long, Brian Winters, Brandon Shell. Those are your five right there. Now, behind those guys, what happens? Because th this is a group where, where I don't know about you, Dan, or UEA, but when I'm watching a game, I can't really tell you that guy's having a good game, that guy's having a good game, because I'm not down there understanding everyone's blocks. Depth is a concern, right? I, I think the depth is a question. I like Spencer Long. I think that's an upgrade at the center position. Yeah. That And one guy, especially a center, I mean, it's cliche, but that could be the glue to hold the line together. And I think that he'll be invaluable for this team. Case in point, if you are also going with a young quarterback, it's going to be incumbent upon the offensive line to make his life 
as manageable as possible as he's still learning the ropes. And I know that a lot of the so-called experts want to say, well, you couldn't start Sam Darnold week one because you have, you know, an offensive line which isn't considered upper echelon in the NFL. I don't buy that for a second. I actually think this group, this is the big if, if they stay healthy, is going to be a lot better than people give them credit for and better than they've shown maybe thus far in the preseason because they haven't been together much right. in the preseason because mm -hmm. of various things. And, you know, losing Igelana was big just because he served that purpose as that swing tackle there in the backup. You have a couple of other guys, but... I mean, it's so rare that you're going to go throughout the entire 16 games with just the same five guys playing. You're going to need that depth. But remember, just because they're not on the roster now, they could be on somebody else's roster. And there's going to be cuts happening 31 other teams that maybe you find a valuable guy, maybe because of cap reasons he gets cut, boom, maybe they pounce on him. I don't think the Jets are the only team in the National Football League who would like to increase their depth oh, uh, no doubt. across that offensive line. And to the point here... I think much was made of what happened in Washington because Jonathan Harrison, who was in for Brian Winters, got beat on the inside. And they have those two guys sack. in the middle. Oh, and my then, God, they're huge. Yes, and then Brunt Quale got beat on a sack as well, and he was filling in for Kelvin Beachum. I think bottom line is those five could be a solid group. Um, they got to stay together. You mentioned you're talking about depth. The guy who jumps out at me throughout training camp who – is likely to stay at this point in time. You'd have to say Jonathan Harrison because they were using him as a second-team center. And then when winners did go down during the preseason, they gave him an opportunity to play at right guard. I know he gave the sack, uh, gave up the sack. Quali, he's a guy who comes into focus for this team right now because, like Dan mentioned, Benai Jalan is not there. He was the valuable swing tackle. Now Quali. He's probably first up at both left and right tackle. Uh, Dakota Dozier, I think the depth on the inside is probably a little bit better right now where the, where the Jets stand. But, again, what's going to happen over the next week? Because the Jets are going to have a final 53 that isn't final at all because they're going to see what else is out there. And I wouldn't be – we're talking about surprises. would not be surprised at all if they had another – one to that mix. Absolutely. Well, that it's true for all NFL teams. Your 53-man roster is always subject to change on any given day, any given moment. Something that Bowles talked about is position flex, and yep. maybe some of the guys that can play tackle and guard will have a little more value than someone that is just a guard or just a tackle. We'll see what happens. I wonder what's going to happen with a guy like uh, Travis Swanson because he's yeah. been he's been predominantly he's been the third team center. Now he's a guy who's got starting experience with the Lions, came over in the offseason, things like that. I haven't heard that. much about him. Isn't that funny? Yeah, I mean, think, you have Think right? about yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, this was yep. a guy who they remember yep. they signed Spencer Long yep. and then they signed Travis Swanson. It's like, well, wait a sec, they just signed a center. But yep. as you said, this is a guy who's had starting experience. Yep. Before yeah, in the yeah. league, and they talked about position flex too. But most of the time, uh, when we've been seeing him out there, he's been right. In the but spot. he he has played some guard yep. in his career before. Mm -hmm. So now let's shift to the defensive side of the ball. We'll start up front again, just because we were O line. Now let's go D line. This is a different line than I think Jets fans are used to seeing it down there. However, the big cat is still down there, Leonard Williams. Steve McClendon really hasn't practiced for the majority of training camp, but he's the He's one of the guys that's the glue of the locker room, right. and he's one of the leaders on this team. So what do you make of this group that got three players on draft day, two of them, Nate Shepard and Folaronzo Faducasi, draft picks, and then Nate, uh, excuse me, Henry Anderson was a seventh-round trade, and he's someone that he, he's got some first-team reps out there. 
Great story, Henry Anderson, too. I interviewed him for uh, our pregame show for the Giants, and you know, I, and I even asked him about it, too. But you, you think about uh, the big story and all the coverage with the team of a guy coming back from a serious injury was Teddy Bridgewater and everything he went through. Henry Anderson, I mean, what he went through with the Colts last year, let's be honest, none of us are signing up for that. He had a fractured larynx, right. for crying out loud, in his throat. That's that, that's painful. You know, you well, don't want any part of that. Yeah, I, j- just real quick. How did that happen, well, anyway? I, I don't know, but you think when he got hurt, he was able to tell someone that he was hurt if you injure your throat box? Like, you think he just had to, like, point to his neck and, I would and like... So. Make a bunch of no, like no, no, no signs. It's not a pleasurable experience, that's for sure. But you know, and, and so he was able to work his way back from that. And you know, he was in Indianapolis when they changed coaches there at the end of the season, yeah. and they went to a four-three defense. So he trimmed down a little bit, thinking he have to play a little quicker when you're playing in a four-man front. Then he gets traded here. And then he's like, well, wait a sec, now I'm going into a 34 where your defensive linemen need to be a little bit bigger, you know, gap integrity, that sort of thing, taking on a couple blockers. So he put on, I think it was like 20 or 25 yeah. pounds. And it wasn't, you know, we even joked about it when I interviewed him. It wasn't all just like McDonald's no. and pizza and all that stuff. It was, <laughs> you know, he did it the right way and yeah. made sure that that was a priority. So you give him credit there. And, you know, that's the type of guy that you want to see succeed. I'll also say this, and you guys may agree with me. If this defense is going to be special this year, and if they're going to wreak havoc, I don't think that happens unless Leonard Williams has a very disruptive season on that defensive line. What do you think? I can't put it all on Leo. I, I'm going to actually look at the linebackers. <laughs> There's a little preview for you. When I look at the defensive line, I say, listen, you're an offensive coordinator. You're looking at the Jets' defensive line. Who are you focusing on? 92. Right. To me, how, what's the development, development of 97, Nathan Shepard? How early can he contribute? 96, like you talked about, Henry Anderson's got some starting experience in the league. What is he going to give you? And then finally, big Steve McClendon, who was a dependable run stuffer for this team, was out a lot during training camp. Are the Jets going to have to depend on Mike Pinnell in that position? So... And you mentioned Fadakasi. I would imagine he becomes part of that rotation. Mm-hmm. But for Leonard, yes, he's got to do some certain things to take the next step, but he needs some help up there too. And this is a line that is in major transition. I think that has been kind of lost in translation here where we're talking about, okay, Sheldon Richardson's gone. Uh, Damon Snacks Harrison's been gone for a couple of years. Muhammad Wilkerson's now in Green Bay and right. things like that. This line... This is a lot of moving parts right now. I'm not saying there isn't a lot of ta- there isn't talent there. There is talent there, but there are moving parts. And I, and when I say disruptive for Leonard, yeah. I mean that came out of his mouth too. He yeah. even admitted that you know he he said he wore down last year. Yeah, that was a great I mean, point. You're he right. Looked he, in the mirror. He said right? I got I got to I got to stay low. Pad level is coming up late in the game. Absolutely. Yep. And we know I remember right at the beginning of, of the season last year. I think it was late in camp. Remember he nicked up his wrist. Yeah. It was week and, two of the preseason and th- in the Motor City. In the Motor City. So think about that. Mm-hmm. Right. You're a defensive lineman. You play with your hands. If your wrists aren't 100%, that's going to give you an issue there first and foremost. And naturally, when you're playing in a three-man front, your guys, more often than not, aren't going to have those outrageous sack numbers as maybe you have when you're playing in the 43. And I'm not just measuring his success based on those sack totals. Agreed. Obviously, you'd like to see a little bit more than what he ended up with a year ago, but I do agree with what you said. It is going to be incumbent upon those other guys, because if those other guys are taking up more of 
the priority from the offensive line. It's going to allow guys like Leo to make plays, some of those linebackers as well. But being disruptive certainly is going to set a nice tone. Well, for this great point let's about talk himself, about though, these guys going through the rest of the last yeah, year. Yeah, let's talk about these guys yeah. now. The middle linebackers, the outside linebackers. Darren Lee said he's the best shape of his life. Todd Bowles is expecting big things from this guy. He's now one of the play callers on this defense. A role that he he served a little bit last year, but now he's the main guy. Avery Williamson signed in the offseason. Tackling machine, that's what he's been called. What? How, how are these guys going to gel? That's another big question. What do you make of the inside guys? Then we'll get out to the outside guys. And behind them, I mean, one of the stars of the preseason was Neville Hewitt. Yep. And with Kevin Pierre-Lewis suspended for the first week of the season, could Neville Hewitt be on this team come week one? I think it's fascinating uh, what's going to happen in the inside linebacker position. He's another guy like Dan was talking about. Hey, l- listen, uh, Leo's got to be disruptive. I think a lot of people would say Darren Lee's got to uh, be disruptive at the inside linebacker yeah. position. Uh, the other thing is DeMario Davis had a great year last year. Now, you would consider him a good linebacker, not a great linebacker, but he had a very good year last year. Enter Avery Williamson. What is he going to give you in his first year, and how are those two guys going to work together? Darren Lee is working with a new guy for a third consecutive season. It was David Harris, then it was DeMario, and now enters uh, Avery Williamson. For the Jets, to take the next step defensively, they have to be better against the run. We'll talk about the secondary here in a moment, but for the Jets to be a top half, top ten defense, they got to be better against the run. They were middle of the pack last year. Well, on that note, and geez, I agree with you a million percent here, one of the other options that you have defensively, too, if you want to zero in on that run defense, you bring another guy into the box which then, of course, in the past would leave you vulnerable in pass, uh, pass defense, yeah. but you got Tremaine Johnson, you got another lockdown back there. Maybe that sorts itself out a little bit. You began asking the question, how will those two inside linebackers gel? I'll ask another one. When do they gel? How long does it take them to gel? Because spotlight is on them. You're a thousand percent right. Avery Williamson, is he going to be a three-down linebacker with this team? That was one of the questions when they signed, right? Is this the guy who's going to be on the field all three downs? Is he going to be vulnerable in pass coverage? Which, we love our guy DeMario, okay? We loved our guy David Harris, right? But other teams knew, especially when you get those backs out of the backfield, you zero in on them and try to get them in coverage because there was a little bit of a vulnerability there. Darren Lee, and he's got to have a huge year. We know it. There's a lot on his plate now. It's year number three. You're a first-round pick. I still want to see a guy that needs to convince me that his best position is playing on the inside, if you know what I mean. He's a speedy linebacker. You thought that when they drafted him, he would be a guy coming off the outside, providing some of that pass rush. Is he going to kind of get lost among the Giants a little bit, playing on the inside? That's what I'm looking to see here. That's not going to change. Todd's always in a vision of playing inside, so uh, that's going to be where he's at. The performance has to step up then. I I think from what you said about when these two guys will gel, I'm I'm not sure the answer to that, but I think what helps is the fact that they're close in age. And they talked about it, they hang out outside the complex, they're very close outside the complex, whereas... Darren Lee and Dave Harris and Lee and Demario Davis didn't really hang out a whole well, you lot. You said those guys were married. Married and, right, and had exactly. children. Yes, yeah. exactly. So now let's, we were in the inside. Let's go to the outside now. Last year it was Jordan Jenkins and Josh Martin for the majority of the season. Assuming those guys are on the roster, 
who are the guys behind those guys now? Because for the majority of camp, Brandon Copeland, who was signed in the offseason, and Frankie Louvu mm -hmm. ran with the second team. So will I think it's very interesting. Will the Jets put their stock in someone like Frankie Louvu, who's an undrafted guy, whereas last year David Bass and Obum Guachum, two other guys on the bubble, were on this team last year. And David Bass had two sacks in his first two weeks here. Right. Well, Frankie Louvu, for one thing, you're not going to see the field a lot if you're going to make the boneheaded mistakes with the penalties like that. That's, coaches won't tolerate that. But it, unfortunately, fortunately, unfortunately, however you want to describe it, we're sitting here now almost at the end of the preseason, and it's still kind of the same conversation that we had at the beginning of there's playing time to be had for the outside linebackers. And I don't think we have clarity yet. You know, I don't think that we've sorted anything out because there's still playing time to be earned for whoever goes out there and deserves it. God, you just mentioned David Bass. He was second on the team last yep. year in sacks. A little bit banged up this summer. Hasn't seemed to get a long look. Maybe that's going to change here. Uh, well, we're at the end of the preseason right now. I, I have no idea how that's going to look when you go to sub-packages. Who, who are you using on the outside? I would say, again, pencil in Jordan and Josh Martin again. Pencil them in as your starters. Those guys, right. Yeah, and then what happens from there as far as your sub-packages are concerned? I'm not sure. Right. And Lorenzo Malden's another guy we and didn't mention. We didn't mention Dylan Donahue yep. either. And you talked about special teams. Yep. Well, Brandon Copeland was a special teams ace for the Lions when he was there. Mm. Dylan Donahue, what can he do on special teams this year? Last year, Dylan Donahue only played four games, and then he got he was His on The season IR. ended on special teams. Yeah, right? exactly. That hit against the Jaguars, yep. which... On Paul Puzlozny. Yep. yep. So, outside linebacker is definitely a spot that I think a lot of Jets fans will have their eye on. But now let's move back to the secondary here. Similar to what EA said about the receivers, is you have the four, then you go from there. For, for me, just talking about the corners, it seems like you have Tremaine Johnson, Morris Claiborne, Buster Screen, and then where do you go from there? Because someone like Perry Nickerson, he flashed early on in camp, then he had the hammy tweak, he missed a couple weeks. What's going to happen with him? What's going to happen with Derek Bones-Jones, who is another flash in camp? And then, like you said, EA, it might just come down to special teams because someone like Daryl Roberts and Justin Burris, no. they were the gunners last year on this Jets team. Perry Nickerson showed enough to me early that's a keeper. He, he's, he, a pe he's a pencil guy. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't even mess with throwing him on the practice squad. No. He, yeah, yeah, he he's here. He, <laughs> he ain't gonna last on your practice squad <laughs> if you put him on the practice. Yeah, squad. he he showed enough. He looks like he he, could, he really could be something down the line for this team, and hopefully. You know, he gets back in the mix now as they, you know, err on the side of ca caution, I guess, with uh, Nickerson because he had the hamstring injury. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it's going to be an interesting cut. And Bones Jones has made a nice um, case for himself. And you mentioned Justin Burris. He's a former fourth-round pick, I believe, out of NC State. And, you know, uh, Daryl Roberts, the guy who's running with the ones not mm -hmm, too yeah. long ago. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting how that all shakes out. I can't remember a time when the secondary from top to bottom was this talented and had this much depth for this team, right? Because in the past you had, you know, everybody thinks back to the Rex days, okay, when they went to the two championship games. You had Revis and Crow there as your corners, high caliber players, of course. You know, you go back even earlier in the 2000s there when you had that Aaron Glenn-Marcus Coleman tandem, and they were really good for a little bit there, right? And Ray Mickens in the mix, And too. Ray Mickens yeah. as a nickel bag was yeah. outstanding. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So, but 
then when you factor in the safeties, and, and that's what really, I mean, if you weren't excited already by the corners, you, you talk about these safeties. And when you talk about Leonard Williams, we talked about Darren Lee, guys who now you want to see them that next year, what they do. I mean, my goodness, to me, at the top of the list are these two safeties. Okay, the leap that they could potentially take from year, and year one wasn't bad. No. Year one to year two, we might be talking about a couple of pro bowlers or all pros. I mean, they have that kind of potential, and that could set a tone big time, not just for the secondary, but for the rest of that defense and cover up maybe some deficiencies you have up there in the front seven. The, the one thing about the safeties that I will say is that I'm very interested to see how Marcus May, how much he plays in the preseason because he, he really hasn't practiced a whole lot. I mean, he has practiced, but he hasn't ran with the first team for the entirety of training camp. This is a guy that... Got hurt in the season finale. You hate those season finale yeah, he, he, meaningless injuries. He didn't do a whole lot in the spring, but he said that he still worked out with the team. So I, I want to know, is there any kind of – we talked about Darren Lee and Avery Williams and gelling. Mm -hmm. I know those guys are close, but do they have to do it on the field for a couple games before they can really start making those leaps and bounds that you hope to see? I'd be more concerned if this was their rookie year as opposed to year two. You know, they, they gained valuable experience last I, year. I totally right. agree. They, they, they basically played the whole season. It's the same defense. I'm not worried about those guys. I, I really think, and I know I'm like bouncing out of my seat here. The high chair, by the way. <laughs> Sky's the limit for these two. It really is. The sky is the limit. That's a good point. What Graza said before here about Jamal is he's kind of an X factor because you, you can move him around and play him different mm -hmm. positions. He's Labeled as a safety, but a lot of times you'd be looking at him in the box and you consider him that extra linebacker. Uh, but I think he's going to take steps as far as coverage is concerned, and that goes back to his eyes and diagnosing and knowing what's coming at him. I anticipate he's going to play faster. He's in better shape this year. Trimmed down, I don't think, uh, I don't, I don't want to say Jamal was bulked up last year. But his, his body looks better in terms of body fat, right. and he right. looks he, a little bit quicker. Well, he he said that he he now has a personal chef who's yeah. helped him all with his nutrition. Well, I'll take nutrition. one of those. Too. Yeah, that would be, that'd helpful. be great. You don't yeah. have a personal yeah. chef? No, no, you did, no? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> and at this, I'll tell you what. And I, like Dan said, you got to like the depth at the safety spot too. Yeah, Doug Middleton got valuable reps mm -hmm. throughout the spring when May was out. J.J. Wilcox is a guy who started a lot of ball games mm -hmm. in the National Football League. Ron Tez will start the season, but if he comes back, he's one of your special teams core yeah. players. I, I, I like that safety and position. You're missing T. Brooks because last year yeah, he, right. he, he was a guy that was a special teams ace. Yeah, so uh, there you go. And he got valuable all, You reps. know, that's another question. How many safeties are you keeping? I think you're going four. You are going four. I think you're going four so because, then, because then, last year you had three on the field at multiple times. So ultimately, if you go four... It probably comes down to J.J. Wilcox or Terrence Brooks, right? Yeah. Doug, because Dougie Middleton was getting those. He like, was getting ones. Yeah. Yes. He's, I, I, I would lean towards Terrence Brooks. I'm not asking you to make a prediction. I'm just asking if you think that's what it's going to come down to. I do think it's what you it's going to come down to. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, I mean, maybe I'm wrong here. This is looking down, looking down the tunnel a little bit, but Brandon Bryant... I think maybe that's a potential P squad guy. Oh sure. So yeah, no doubt. I, I think, but I think it does come down to those two guys. 
You know, we forgot we forgot the calculator. Like, we need the fancy <laughs> yeah. to, to tally up 53 here. Because I'm running through all these positions, yeah. and I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> we're probably up to putting, like, 60 guys on the team here. Well, because well, they, it's, it's tough. And when yeah. you get to those, I mean, it's cliche, but when you get to those last couple of spots of the roster, those are the toughest decisions, yeah, yeah. right? And there's going to be movement that bottom three, four, not just with the Jets, but with the 31 other teams. And that's when you check out the waiver wire and who's available and who you shift into the practice squad. And that's why Mike McCagnan and his staff, I don't want that job at the end of the week. <laughs> I don't want that job finalizing this roster. There will be a few surprises. There always are. Yeah. You know, and a lot goes into that as far as getting some other guys' reps, financial considerations, and what is out there in waivers. All right. I, I pretty much a wrap here. Uh, you have any uh, any last points that you're dying to get out there? No, the no. I just wish the Thursday night game in Philadelphia was maybe Wednesday or something. Because college football has its season <laughs> season kickoff. Yeah. There's a I couple don't think games. A, is there a great Thursday night I, game? I, I like the I, I like the Purdue Northwestern game. That Not Thursday a bad. EA is a big Boilermaker. Yeah, and, and I like Purdue, and, yeah. and Northwestern won ten games last year. Yeah, that's a nice matchup. Nothing against NFL. I love my job, and I'll be in Philly. Sure, and I'll be <laughs> pumped to be there. Maybe, but I wouldn't mind moving it up to Wednesday next year. Maybe we'll put in a request to put uh, the Jets game on one screen, Northwestern Purdue on another. Okay, Can we make that happen. Yeah, we have like the app on. You know, what is it? The or whatever channel the game is on. You can watch everything on your little yeah. device. That's true. Yeah, yeah. good to go. Yeah. All right, that's all we got. That was the roster breakdown. EA, Dan Graza, and EG.